You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broad Wasted Podcast, where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and happy Father's Day, sort of. But who gives a John Adams? So grab a beer, maybe a Sam Adams, bust out your Benjamins and a Hamilton and cheese sandwich, and we'll pat Henry you on the back. Don't get James Madison because you're not a U.S. John Marshall. Just be happy you're a George Mason worker. And go Washington and dry your clothes. Then listen to most Jefferson. Joining us today are the usual right-hand men and women who should have been included uh, before the sequel, um, who waited for it, including Kevin Sit Down Jager. Yeah, sit down, Kevin. <laughs> Kimberly, our violin playing game master and unofficial babysitter for the hour. I wish I played the violin. <laughs> uh, and with us uh, are two people who are typically in the room where it happens, and somebody else was in hairspray. Um, let's give a <laughs> <laughs> let's give a <laughs> let's give a big broad wasted welcome to friends of the show. Friends of the show, <laughs> Haley Pachoon, Aaron J. Albano, and Nikisha <laughs> I was not ready for that. <laughs> that was that, that was top notch. That was right? incredible. I really want like every benefit, every like big like concert Haley does. I want her to be introduced as oh, and someone who was in hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> someone who was in all the hairsprays except live. But yeah, fair. <laughs> um, uh, welcome back, Haley. Cool. Thank you. Okay, welcome Sorry, back. That's okay. Uh, so today uh, we are going to be talking 1776, the original film, um, and uh, the uh, live cap of Hamilton came out. If those of you who don't know, um, kind of under the radar, no marketing, no Twitter, you know, <laughs> trending crazy. Oh, hi. Um, no. <laughs> Is it a musical? No, it's just uh, Lynn manuel reading the Mags Chernoff book, or Dan Chernoff, right. whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> but, um, and uh, so, um, before we do that, what are you drinking? What are you what drinking? Are you drinking? Uh, I'll go and order my screens. Kimberly, what are you sipping on? Mm, I have my new favorite random cocktail, which is mostly gin, 
and then a little bit of mango LaCroix. Ooh. And then just a splash of mango margarita mix that's been hanging out in my fridge. Nice. Oh. It's uh, really good. <laughs> let's move down, Aaron. I am back to my old standby of Dark Horse Cab Sal. Nice. Yeah. It has been aerated, but I aerated it off camera. Oh, all right. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Nikisha, in your Harry Potter uh, under the stairs house? Under the stairs house. So I just got home 30 minutes ago after driving about nine hours. So I Wait, literally... <laughs> you just, <laughs> just got home? Just got home? I just well, got home. Why are you here? <laughs> Because I love you guys so much. <laughs> so I currently am not drinking anything, but I'm happy to be here in my Hufflepuff forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kevin. Uh, so I just started an eight-week intensive with Built for the Stage, so I can't drink anything. Okay. <gasps> so um, I am drinking uh, what I call gay water, which is just a berry LaCroix. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. Kaylee. Typical rosé all day, because I'm a white blonde girl. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, I just got back from Ithaca, New York, and uh, I am drinking the Ithaca Beer Company's Lakeside Lager. Mm. Um, But more importantly, I went to visit our friends at the Buttonwood Grove uh, Winery around Cayuga Lake. Yes, tell us about it. And I did a... uh, (laughs) First of all, it's gorgeous. Like... It, it was truly beautiful, um, but we did a tasting of some wines, and my favorite that we tasted were the uh, was the Pinot Noir. Um, I Ooh. bought a bottle of it um, because one, I like to support them, and two, um, it's really good. It's like you could like look right through it. It's so yeah. it, it's yeah. so light, um, but it's really really good. Um, and so I wanted to shout out Buttonwood. They uh, Great service. It was outdoor tastings, masks, and everything. Um, and that was their first night of doing um, outdoor music. So they they socially distanced with the music, and like people were just sitting, tasting wines. Um, it was just nice to see get their economy going, and it was. I felt very safe there, if because obviously that's a big part of everything now. Um, uh, but uh, had a wonderful time. The wine is excellent, so you can find them online on on Instagram and stuff. So, hooray. Uh, um, but before we do our uh, our cheers, um, I did want to raise a cheers today to Nick Cordero, who passed away of complications due to the COVID virus. Um, I, I don't know if anybody here knew him personally, um, but what I uh, can say is that he was one of those actors who I accidentally saw and everything and like was one of those things where like I kind of like tracked his career because I had enjoyed him so much in Bullets Over Broadway. And I saw him in Waitress and Kevin and I and Kimberly, I saw him in Bronx Tale. Um, and uh, was always, um, I've always heard wonderful things about him uh, as a person, uh, but his talent definitely did that. I've been listening to Bronx Tale a little bit today and yesterday. Um, uh, but I, I did want all of us to raise a glass uh, to him. Uh, and uh, we're thinking in, in, uh, of his, obviously his family. Um, and, and, and the community, because uh, as Haley and Aaron pointed out uh, before we started recording, regardless if you knew him or not, um, it's a big hit to the community. Um, and the community has taken a lot of hits lately. Um, and uh, this is just probably one of the more devastating ones, um, because the economy can always find its way back, but lives cannot. Um, so raise a glass to him um, and his family. Uh, cheers. Uh, cheers, Nick. Cheers. 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 Um, so let's uh, let's move off of that somber note and talk about musicals. Um, 
But uh, we're covering two again, as we mentioned, 1776, uh, as well as um, Hamilton. Uh, we're going to start with 1776. Um, so we're going to chronologically, but I'm going to pass this over to Kevin, who uh, is uh, a big fan of 19. Uh, nope, of 1776. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big fan of 1976. I'm a fan of some years in the 1900s, but like, sure. 1976 is like bang around. Um, <laughs> so, Kevin, take it away. Cool. So, I am hosting this little segment just because my family watched this movie every 4th of July for, I, I would count, at least 15 years of my life. Oh, um, my gosh. So I watched, I've literally seen it. It's, it's on, it was on TV, but then when it would stop being on TV, we would just watch it because we just owned it. Um, and then also, even if it was on TV, my dad would start screaming that he hates commercials and we would just watch it on the DVD anyways. Um, so <laughs> 1776 has been like a big part of my life, so I'm excited to talk about it. Um, before we get into our discussion about the movie, I just want to share some fun facts with everybody about this production. Um, so this 1776, the musical, appeared on Broadway. It uh, premiered in 1969 and it ran for 1,217 performances. It won three Tony Awards, including Best Musical that year. Uh, during its three-year run, it played in three different theaters on Broadway. It oh. first started at the Richard, what is now called the Richard Rogers Theater, and then it moved to the St. James Theater, and then they moved finally to the Majestic, and that's where it closed, was at the Majestic. Um, wow. This wow. Wow. That's like Pimpernel. Pimpernel moved, I think, three times, right? I th that doesn't happen as much anymore. Uh, I mean, it doesn't happen at all now, but like it's, it's <laughs> as much before. But it seems like something that happened much more in like the like sixties, seventies, in that kind of eighties even. Um, so wow, the Richard Rogers is a very founding fathers theater. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, <laughs> I think when it was there, it was called. I think it used to be called like the Playhouse Theater or something. Okay, I think so. No, it was the Forty Sixth Street Theater. Oh yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Um, so it was uh, a different name at the time. Uh, the music and lyrics are by Sherman Edwards. It was also his idea, and he had been working on this idea, like building it out for years before a producer introduced him to Peter Stone to write the book. Um. Up, this is the musical that Betty Buckley made her Broadway debut in. Mm -hmm. uh, Betty Buckley played Martha Washington or Martha Jefferson. Um, oh. And it was her very first show on Broadway. Uh, so the film adaptation that we watched came out in 1972 and it, it uh, retained almost the entire original Broadway cast. Uh, the rights to this musical were bought by Jack. Uh, Jack Warner, who's like the famous like Warner that we've all heard of, um, he bought the rights for this musical for one point two five million dollars, which was a huge amount of money at the time to be buying a musical like in the late sixties, early seventies. Um, Wait, what was he, what was the number, Kevin? One point two five million compared to the seventy five million that Disney bought Hamilton for. Yeah, right. That's crazy. <laughs> Wait, seventy five? I thought it was seventeen. No, still a lot of money though. Seventy-five. Seventy-five. Where? Yeah. And um, Jack Warner actually insisted that the entire that they keep the entire original cast because he thought he had made a mistake uh, a few years before when he turned down Julie Andrews for the film adaptation of My Fair Lady. It was his mm. decision not to use her to use Audrey Hepburn, 
and he regretted that forever and thought it was a bad idea. So he, when he did this musical, he was like, no, we're bringing literally everyone we can onto this movie. So a lot of these people are original cast, like William Daniels, who played John Adams. I think uh, you mean Mr. Feeney, Mr. Kevin. Feeney. Mr. Feeney! As we all know him, Mr. Feeney. Uh, Howard DeSilva played Benjamin Franklin, and a fun note about that is Howard DeSilva is actually not on the original cast recording, even oh. though he was the original Ben Franklin, because he had a heart attack during the run of the show, right when they were filming, they're going to do the uh, cast album. So his understudy did the cast album, and then when he recovered from his heart attack, he went back into the show, which I wow. think. And then he's also in this movie, which is insane. Um, and then uh, Thomas Jefferson is Ken Howard. Virginia Vestoff, who I'm obsessed with, is the original Abigail Adams. And then uh, Ron Holgate, who plays Richard Henry Lee, the Virginia is my home, mm-hmm. like the silly guy. Uh, he actually won the Tony for Best Supporting Actor in a Musical that year. Good job. That's such a supporting actor win. Like you're heavy in the first act, huge song that's a standing ovation, and like you're just like not in it the rest of the time. Yeah. 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 What a goal. <laughs> um, so goal. obviously Blythe Danner is playing the role that Betty Buckley played. Um, from what I could tell from like research, it was basically due to scheduling because Betty Buckley literally blew up in the theater scene. And so she just was doing everything and they were like, you don't have time to make a movie. Um, and then the, right. only, the only other person who is not original or one of the only people who's not original cast is uh, the character of Edward Rutledge, who's the guy who's from South Carolina who sings the molasses to rum to slaves. Oh, so the, yeah. the guy who played the original left the show almost immediately after the show opened. Mm. And then they, he was replaced by this guy named David Cryer and then he, David Cryer was then replaced by this actor named John Cullum, who is the actor that you see in this film. And John Cullum holds a record for being one of the only Broadway replacements in history to create the role in the film. So I think it's kind of cool that instead of hiring an act, a random actor, they went with the second replacement on Broadway yeah. to do the movie. I will also say Broadway does it better. That actor, John Cullum, is hilarious because he is quite famous now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said this was his only film. The only? only time he was ever in a movie because he has done a crap ton of Broadway. He's won, like, movie? he's won like three Tonys, right? Yeah, Something he's crazy a huge like deal in the Broadway world, but like the film didn't know him. Um, a couple other fun facts. The fountain that you see in that scene when he's Richard Henry Lee is singing the thing about Virginia and he almost falls in the fountain. Yeah, where is that? That is the same fountain that is in the opening of the very famous TV show Friends. That they're oh. in. I was going to say, it's definitely not in Philadelphia. No, it is not in oh, Philadelphia, yeah. but it's the same fountain from Friends. Um, and then another fun thing that we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll bring up this song later, but there's a song called Cool, Cool, Considerate Men. Mm-hmm. which is the song where they sing about like to the left and to, always to the right, never to the left. Uh-huh. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that song, but the fun, the cool uh, fun fact about that song is the song specifically depicts revolutionary war era conservatives as power hungry wheedlers focused on maintaining wealth. And this, this, this song was actually removed from the original cut of the film that was put in theaters um, by Jack Warner himself at the request of Richard Nixon because Richard Nixon, president at the time, was a good friend of Jack Warner, and he didn't like that this song was bad about conservatives because Richard 
Nixon thought that it was mean to conservatives since he's a conservative. So he insisted <gasps> removed from the film. And the director said, no way, shove it. This song is important to the movie because the director also directed the Broadway show. So he was like, mm-hmm. absolutely not. This song stays in. And the producer was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then they finished filming. The director went on a two-week vacation to relax after filming. And while he was on vacation, the producer cut it out of the movie. Do you know when they put it back in? Uh, it came back into the, uh, it was it was like 10, 15 years later that they put it back in because Jack Warner had ordered that the cut of the song be completely destroyed, like all film and everything of it destroyed. And the editor was like, I don't want to do that. So the editor hid it in their own storage like situation. So then it was able to be brought back because the editor saved it. What's also fun is all of the previews for the film that had gone out to movie theaters to like play like like coming attractions were all built around this song. So this song was the background of all of the previews. So they had to then scrap all of the previews and like recut a brand new trailer all because Richard Nixon didn't want conservatives to look bad. Well, because it's also like the only, it's the only production number, isn't it? Right. Yes. It's one yeah, of the yeah. production numbers. I mean, the opening numbers are kind of a production number, I guess. Sure, sure. sure. But it doesn't have choreography, so that but would be exciting even, for a trailer. Even more than production number, to me, it's like the thesis of the movie. Yes. And the, yeah. direct, the producer, Jack Warner, on his deathbed, actually apologized to the director for cutting the song because he realized that that was like the centerpiece of the story and that he thinks he's responsible for like ruining part of the movie by cutting it out. Um, also, yep. in fact, the Broadway show went to the White House and performed 1776 in its entirety for Richard Nixon and some like members of his cabinet and stuff. And and Richard, Richard Nixon's uh, staffers basically told the producers, if you're doing this, there's no way you're performing that song. You can't perform that song. And the entire company and the director said, uh, respectfully, screw yourself. And they did this song like right in the White House in front of Nixon to kind of be like, work so, <laughs> yes. so i thought that was really crazy because that song has a lot for us to talk about um and then last thing i want to bring up is just some historical accuracy things before we get into just the movie uh since congress was held in secrecy and they didn't really keep contemporary like journals of what was happening there because they were afraid of what would happen if people found out um this is all basically based on later accounts of what people wrote happened and educated guesses but some of the dialogue is actually lifted, a lot of the dialogue in the show is lifted from letters actually written by these people recounting to like their family and friends what happened. Mm. So a lot of the dialogue is directly from that. Um, and then also the, the actual separation from Britain happened in two steps. They first voted for independence to happen on July 2nd. And then they spent three days actually talking about the declaration. So for dramatic purposes, they put that all together into one thing where it was like all happening in one big vote. Um, Also, John Adams is a composite character of himself and his cousin uh, Samuel Adams, who was also in Congress at the time, but they didn't want to confuse. But they mentioned him. Beer, you mean, the beer. The beer, yes. So Sam Adams was also part of it, but like most of these things, uh, those are like the major discretions, but they're mostly done for dramatic effect. And no one at the time really cared what the changes were because they enjoyed the movie. Um, Okay, 
So those are some fun thoughts about 1776. And so now let's go ahead and uh, go around in a circle and everybody give your high level thoughts of watching this. Well, first let's say, uh, tell me what your experiences with this movie previously before now. And then on top of that, tell me just some quick high level thoughts. And we will start with uh, Nikisha. So I never heard a song, anything from 1776 was never really interested in watching it, but after I watched it, I was a big fan of it. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was quirky. I liked how they were making fun of themselves in the art of, you know, striving for independence. So, uh, and Mr. Feeney can absolutely do no wrong in my eyes. So <laughs> I stand with him forever and ever. Hashtag Saltpeter forever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Haley. Um, I'm looking over my notes to see if there's like, a recap I can give. I had never seen it. I only knew the actual lyric he plays, the violin. That's it, because someone had told me in the past, you can play that part. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So I had YouTubed that section of the movie. Mm -hmm. That's the only part I've ever seen. And um, I had a difficult time getting through it. Okay. We'll get to more of that soon. Kimberly. Yeah. Um, I had never seen it in its entirety before. I had watched parts of it in like high school history class. You know, when they tell you things. Good for your teacher for showing them yeah. how. Yeah. Um, but to like just little bits and pieces. Um, however, my parents did live across the street from Independence Hall for the past five years. And so I've been in and around where this entire movie takes place many, many, many times. And That's they so cool. in Independence Hall. Awesome. Uh, Aaron. Um, prior to this viewing, I had never watched the movie in its entirety. I knew that Mr. Feeney was in it. And that was the extent of my knowing about it. I had seen... I think the one clip that I had seen prior to this viewing was the Waiting for the Chirp, Chirp, Chirp song. Okay. Um, because that's, I don't know why. I think I just know that song. So good. I just remember, I remember seeing that clip over and over again. I don't know how. Um, and I think I really enjoyed, I, th- I liked it. I think a big reason why I did like it was the fact that we watched it in tandem with Hamilton. Sure. And I found it very fascinating to watch it that way. Same. Uh, Right. Um, I had never seen the movie, like Kimberly, I'd never seen the movie in its entirety. I think I had seen every single... Song. Every single song and musical number. I know that during the election, uh, cool, cool, considerate men went around because of certain lines in there. Yes. Um, um, so I definitely had seen that. Um, but um, I, movies like this have a bad rap because they look old and they look boring. Kind of puts that like hesitancy in you and like, I know. I know what this is about. I can tell you exactly what happens in this, but then like watching it is a totally different experience. And I really enjoyed it. And like, I, like I said, I had seen this movie like dozens and dozens of times with my family. 
Uh, it holds a special place in my heart. And I actually haven't watched it in quite a few years. Um, so it was really nice to revisit it. I think it's really a fantastic musical. Um, I think this is a great adaptation of it. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And so we'll get into a lot of those thoughts later. Um, oh, I also, the, like, I also, one thing that, that contributed to my experience of it is I was texting everybody. I had a hard time starting it because I think where we are culturally, I really didn't want to watch the movie subconsciously or consciously. And so when we got, when I finally did, because I had to, because I have to do my homework, um, <laughs> it pleasantly surprised me that I liked it so much. Well, even why, though, Do you mean just because like, it's like, like having to do with the birth of a nation that we're all kind of like unhappy with what it's acting like right now? Correct. I, I, I had a very hard time like wanting to watch anything related to America right now. I agree. I was kind of the same way. And I know that like, this is historically what it is not to like get into the conversation, but like, again, I know that this is what happened, but watching a bunch of white men discuss like the birth of our nation, I was like, I, I actually don't enjoy watching this. And I had a really difficult time um, getting into it the whole time because of that and even though it is historically what it is this is what happened i was like i i i'm uncomfortable and i don't i don't like this and i think that that was part of it too where it's like the way everyone every colony because they weren't even states yet the way every colony was like well i don't want to do it well i don't want to do well if if you do it then i like it was so polarized in that room that I was like, even like, wow, from the get, we are a selfish nation. And I, yes. I was like, and I, and I mean, like, and it was a good artistic delivery of that, uh, artistic expression of that, but it was, it was hard to watch because I was like, oh, this was always in our DNA. Like, mm-hmm. South Carolina wouldn't have been wearing masks. Like, it's not wearing masks now. Like... <laughs> Right. Kind of, like, I think it's interesting to pay attention to when you look at America's history. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like, like us being the greatest nation and us being like all together as like proud, strong nation together. But if you look at it, like we from the get go had like a series of wars within the first 200 years of us being a, na- a nation, and like nothing unifies a group of people or makes like the oppression of unity more than having like a giant enemy and you're at war and fighting. So like a lot of the war effort kind of, I think like created a lot of the like feelings in our country of like this being this perfect, lovely, amazing, everyone's welcome. Everyone loves each other. Nation is that kind of a thing. Um, And I think like, it's interesting to see though, that this movie depicts the creation of a nation when it's like the first war we were ever going to face and it is a divided nation of people fighting for their own specific po- politics and economy, basically over the, like, no one in, the, there's very few people in this movie who have like utopian ideas of a perfect nation. Like, ev- like a lot of them are just fighting for their own conceits and what they can get out of it. Um, and I, I find that very fascinating that this musical does not shy away from the bad side of these people. 
So that's what I was most surprised about. I was most surprised about this musical because it was written in the 60s. I assumed that this musical would be very patriotic, very jingoistic in the way that it portrayed the founding fathers. I made the assumption that this movie was going to be very much like, look at these white men go. Like we did it everyone, but like I was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. by how how non-generic and how flawed every single character is in this, inclusive of John Adams. Um and and the end of this movie to skip to the end a little bit was more sad to me than happy. And I think the music depicts that. I think that the musical actually mm-hmm. says like, we're in for a roller coaster, but this is how it got started. Like, yeah. I don't think the musical is, I, at the end of this musical, I really, 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 really don't think that the feeling that it wants you to feel is of pride and excitement. I think it wants to make you feel really tired and, and the work hasn't even started yet. Um, mm-hmm. And that was what surprised me the most about it, especially in Act Two. I did not expect this musical's Act Two to be about the slavery clause. I just didn't. I just expected them to w- wash right over that and like just be like, you know, like how do we all sign this? Let's do it. I really did not expect that to be about that. And um, and I mean, we can talk about other things, but like I think that that was like, I was, to me, act two of this is so much more engaging than act one. Where's the split? Do you know, do you guys know? When act two would be like in the actual yeah. stage show? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I had commercials, so I don't know right, what right, any same. splits would be. I right. fast forward through the commercials. Could no one else? I, I didn't try. Oh, I couldn't even try because they were so <laughs> short. I like, eh, just I, play one. That's fine. <laughs> hold on. I, I, I have it pulled up. Just one second. Sure. Um, so while I'm looking to see where act two is, uh, I want to talk about how this, so your experience growing up in school, did you feel like what you were watching was what you had learned about what happened in this time period specifically? Or did you feel that you were hearing a lot of stuff that you were like, wait, what? Well, um, I watched this musical in school. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got it. Uh, oh, Keisha, did you feel like this was similar to your education of, of what happened? Absolutely not. Growing up in the South, everything is pretty much whitewashed. And so um, a lot of the things that were being spoken of in the musical, I was like, this is really what happened? Because everyone just likes to get to the fact that we have our independence and now look how great we are and not much of the internal struggles that happened. So it was... Um, very nice to see that juxtaposition of all of those opposing sides. Um, I also want to just piggyback on what Aaron and Haley were saying as far as it just being hard to watch, especially in this time, because I specifically remember there was a moment in the movie where they panned to the Continental Congress all together, just in a group. And I was just like, all of these older white men that are about to just tell everybody what to do. Like I, I can't, but like I said before, I think some of the more redeemable qualities or sorry, I'm getting like sidetracked from what you actually asked me, but there's just so much, <laughs> um, some of the, re- the redeemable qualities that made me like the movie in turn was what Brian was saying about how, uh, human they all were. Um, especially with, uh, 
John Adams and him just kind of like consulting with his wife and, you know, having like the realizations of like, okay, yeah, maybe I am wrong or like, okay, yeah, maybe I might be aggressive, but like, this is like how I, I, I want to present myself. And um, one of my favorite parts was when they were trying to go to, what was it? New Brunswick. And John Adams was like trying to get Benjamin Franklin to go. And he's like half asleep listening anyway. And he was like, I'm not going. And then they're like, well, he was like, what's, what's there? What's in New Brunswick for me? And they're like, whores and drinking. And he's like, all right, I'm in, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. Yes. Like you're making me like these people because I see them as people, not as founding fathers. I see these people making mistakes and decisions like we all make. And I think that's what the movie does a good job of, which made the turnaround uh, for me to like it. I also feel like this wasn't a musical. It was a play with music (laughs) Mm -hmm. because how I was watching it with the movie, it just um, seemed to work better at like the, I don't know if this is a hot take for me, but I didn't really feel like the music added to the story or what was happening. It was just like, we're going to put a musical number here and here you go. Like he plays the violin. Okay, great. Also, Setrodesky has a deconstruction of Betty Buckley doing that. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's like, but why did we need to know that she loves her husband? Great. What does that have to do with the story? Yeah. But anyway, sorry, that was a lot. But y'all said a lot of things. I was like, yes, 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 yes. I agree with these things. <laughs> um, They're all great. I, I do. So, Kevin, I, I looked it up. Um, Mama Look Sharp. Yeah, Ma- is, I was say Mama oh. Look Sharp is the end of Act Act One, which is oh, the bad wow. song about the soldiers singing about like yeah. dying. Um, that's how they end Act One of the Ooh. show on Broadway. I think they moved some of it around. When, when you said it uh, doesn't feel like a musical, there were multiple songs and a lot of underscoring that was cut by the producers of this mm, film. Okay. Because they thought there was too much music. Okay. So in a musical, oh, they, were, they cut a lot of it. Um, I also think, uh, just jumping on the thing about Abigail Adams, uh, John and Abigail Adams have one of the most well-documented relationships in history because they literally nice. did write each letters to each other all the time. And also they have one of the most progressive married couple relationships of anyone at that time ever, because John Adams really did treat her as an equal Mm -hmm. and ask her like her advice about like stuff. Like so a lot of what we know about what happened in Congress is because John Adams wrote it to his wife when like Mm. no one else. Because a woman's idea was in there. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Because a woman's voice was heard. That's why. So, like, she was very, very involved in, like, his decision-making, not just in Congress, but, like, his entire life. She was very much his equal and partner. And if you ever get a chance, there's a book that, like, a historian compiled all of their love letters. And mm. it's some of the most beautifully touching things I have ever read. Like, the yours, yours, yours thing at the end of all of their songs is from their letters. They literally wrote, like, yours, yours, yours over and over again because they're the sweetest people in the world. Yeah, Um, it's cute. I will say... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Aaron, jump in. I will say, like, from the musical standpoint, not the historical standpoint, but the musical, like, standpoint, I will say that relationship was so well-developed for two characters who were never in the same room together. Mm. (laughs) I think it's so it, like because they ne- like they we never see them together, and yet and it it's works such on a beautiful film. romance. That's a that's yeah. a concept mm-hmm. on stage that's probably gorgeous. But 
mm-hmm. with the wrong filmmaker, it, it doesn't read or it doesn't feel genuine. It really works in this. Like even the way it's <sighs> shot, how he's still where he's standing. And it's like this like hazy fade. It's beautiful. The cinematography in this is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Yes. For looking dusty, it looks beautiful. <laughs> Very seven at a few times. Yeah. Aaron, was this similar to what you learned in school, would you say? Um I don't think so, but I can't tell if that was just me as a teenager not caring or if it was because I do think that like we heard it, but none of it all of it was sort of glossed over in like big brush strokes. Like this is what you need to know to pass the AP exam. Like, yeah. that's it. Like, like I didn't know, I, like, I don't think there was ever a, a moment where I like learned any of this in depth, as in depthly as, in depthly, as in depth as this movie portrays, either of these movies portray, but yeah, it was big broad strokes so I could get a five on my AP US history. Totally. <laughs> I, I, that's why one of the moments I love in this movie is when Ben Franklin says to John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, like, who do they think we are? Like, we're not demigods. We're mm-hmm. men, just like everyone else. We have, like, we make mistakes. And I think this movie does an excellent job of highlighting the humanity of these people creating uh, this musical. Um, right? was this similar to what you learned? Whether or not I learned it this way, this is not what I took away from my learnings. It, and I think that... In America, you are treated like these people are gods. They're on Mount Rushmore. They're like, it's, it's a part of our, it's a part of the fabric of our society that we treat these people, we get their birthdays off, or we, at least they're on the calendar. Like, regardless of if I learned what actually happened during that, um, that Independence Halls, um, like the Independence um, um, vote and things of that nature, like, it definitely did not stick with me. Um, and I am so used, even in Hamilton, to be totally honest, I'm so used to these characters um, being presented as larger than life. Um, and this one totally gave me like whiplash in terms of treating them like, like flawed men and, and not writing them like demigods being flawed men, but actually just as people. And I think the actors get a lot of the credit on that too, playing them like people as opposed to None of them had a chip on their shoulder in terms of historical context. They all had chips on their shoulders because of the situation that they were in within the confines of the, of that, you know, of those colonies. Um, that kind of, that honestly, that blew me away uh, more than I, I didn't expect it. I just, very unexpected. Great. Um, Let's just go quick and every give me like your favorite moment from the movie. It can be a song, it can be a scene, it can be anything. Just something that you really loved if you had to pick something. Kimberly. And they call on Josiah Bartlett. <laughs> <laughs> which is the president's name in the West Wing. <laughs> oh, I didn't know I that. I think okay. I'm related to him because my mom is a Bartlett. Wait. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, favorite part? Um, I... I I, I my favorite part is the line don't forget that most men with nothing would rather protect the possibility of becoming rich than face the reality of being poor um uh the <laughs> that um combined with cool cool I think that's during cool cool considerate men it's right uh, before or like 
it's I think it's in it's in the yeah. middle. I forget it's somewhere around that just hit it's me like there. a ton that hit me like a ton of bricks. Um and I um and then I think that rum and molasses is a spectacular number. Um and uh holding northerners with chips on their shoulder accountable for being a part of the slave trade and all of that and benefiting, even if they're not the ones who who own the slaves, even if they're not the ones who like are are the ethically wrong or right they are benefiting from it because it's all interconnected and i thought that was one of the more powerful moments of that because that sent um uh, john adams a little bit reeling out of that um and um i think to me those are the thesis statements of this um and those before it was just like a really good rendition of um of the uh, first Continental Congress, and then after that, like those, like made this like that. Those are the those are the parts that made me lean in. Uh, Haley, um, if I'm going to be honest, my favorite part of this was Blythe was Blythe Danner's waist. <laughs> she was really tiny. Um, she Eric. looked so much like Gwyneth Paltrow. They're twins. I. I <laughs> Um, my favorite, favorite, I'm going to adjust the favorite and not like my like favorite in terms of my love it, but the favorite in terms of like, it haunted me and it stayed with me after even watching it was the idea that I'm used to watching movies like this where I just hate the South and they just aggravate me and they just annoy me and they piss me off. But the fact that the main antagonist of this movie antagonist if one of many was from pennsylvania like very like very solidly in the north and then on top of the fact that like the colony that i consider home it was a joke but every time i would yell at my screen when he would abstain courteously i know it's supposed to be like humorous but i wanted throw things at my TV. Mm-hmm. I was like, do something, New York. Yeah, yeah that's a good something. point. The things that are supposed to be like comic relief and funny, I, I did not find funny this time. I had the same reaction of Aaron. Like, like this is important. Don't like pretend that this isn't important. Like, I had a lot of those similar feelings. I'm glad you said something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so it was, was it my favorite in terms of like, I loved it? No. Was it my favorite in terms of like, it stayed with me? Yeah. Nikisha. Yeah, I I enjoyed any humor in it because it's, you know, we need humor right now. So <laughs> any back and forth with uh, John Adams and Benjamin Franklin, I enjoyed. And anytime they showed their humanity um, was something that I I liked because like, like you all had said before about um, them being put on pedestals and uh, I just think how real they portray the characters like Thomas Jefferson just wanted to get some, honestly. And they had a whole song about it. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, I will do my job after I spend time with my wife. And it's like, okay, yes, you are a human being person. And now I'm invested more in you because I'm seeing your humanity in all of this. Um, of course, everything having to do with the South always hits especially hard being a black female and growing up in the South, the deep, deep South. So um, but again, it's things that I'm, I'm used to and accustomed to. So those things are like, yeah, that's how people were and that's how they think. And that's how they still think now. So it's just like, okay, let me get to another like funny part that I can like 
laugh <laughs> at. But overall, I definitely enjoyed it way more than I thought I was. So than yeah. I thought I would. Yeah. Um, so my favorite part is always the Abigail Adams, John Adams interactions. Um, when I was little, I played Abigail Adams around my house and sang just oh. her lines. And my <laughs> dad was like, did. don't you want to sing John Adams' part? And I was like, no. <laughs> um, but I will say... I can just imagine Kevin in a, in a healthy mix, just salty <laughs> Oh, I was working it. Um, and also, uh, the song Mama Looks Sharp. I, st- watching it this time, too, I get bu- I, I bubble up with anxiety because growing up, every year we watched it, my mom cried through that song. Mm. And I, it made, it's like that little kid feeling of your mom's crying and you don't know how to handle this and it makes you uncomfortable. So like even watching it myself as a 35 year old man by myself alone, like that song started and I was like, I have to call my mom, is she okay? Like, <laughs> Aww, like she, so she would just weep through that song and I didn't get it. Like I feel like I didn't really understand until now this feeling, like how sad that song is. Um, and like, I also love that they threw that in because we're watching these men make all these decisions in this room that are just like ideological thoughts for them. But like this young kid gets a second to sit in this big room and he just shares about how his two best friends died. And his one was like literally calling out, wishing his mom would find him as he was bleeding mm-hmm. out. Like to show, like this show does a really great job. Like Brian said, it, like, it starts out making you think you're watching a show that's like, this is the founding fathers, but it really shows you the harsh reality of life and war and the fact that it ends on like a a somber bell ring as they sign a document where like the 11 o'clock number is basically them deciding to cut out the thing protecting slaves and like making, like making them free. And like, like the fact that that's like the big final thing before this is like, it's really powerful. Um, So let's, Anyway, have any final thoughts before we do Rotten Tomatoes? I really I'm loved this. Watch it. Yeah. I would like to see a stage version of it. So, fun fact, when Broadway comes back in 2021, there is going to be a revival at Roundabout that is a all-female revival. Oh, okay. Every person, every character will be played by women, and it's being directed by Diane Paulus. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's not an all-female revival. I want to fix that. It's all female or gender non-binary performers. So it's 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 basically just every gender that encompasses not being a cis male. So oh, Rotten God. Tomatoes for this movie. There is no critical consensus, but there is a, a rating. Um, let's start with uh, Nikisha. I'd say 80%. Haley. 76, because 17. Uh, <laughs> Kimberly. Um, I don't know. I feel like the people who go on to Rotten Tomatoes to review 1776 love it. So but like, this is critics. Huh? This is critics, not like people. Oh, not people. Well, I mean, <laughs> 92. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay. 92. Uh, Aaron? This was reviewed during the Nixon administration? Correct, by, re- by, by like reviewers in the theater. Mine I'm going to say... Mom. I'm going to say a solid 70. Brian? 83. Um, so you all are over. This movie got a 69%. There's no critical consensus, but Roger Ebert, who's a famous film yeah. reviewer... Mm-hmm. hated this movie so much. 
He basically wow. said in his review that the, there's some amazing actors in this movie who have been trapped by a director who's forcing them to do pomp and circumstance and all this like, like postulating and performing instead of acting. And so he, like he, and he all, like the music got torn up as being forget, forgettable. And like, like the, the critics all hated this, but I, I also think that during the Nixon administration, people were kind of in the conservative pocket. So like. I also, happened. I will say, I don't know. I think my enjoyment of this was enhanced with the couple, like Aaron said, my enjoyment of this was enhanced by the coupling with Hamilton. Um, as opposed to just kind of like casually watching this on my own. Um, Cause I was thinking in the context of, of that. Um, so I was that my my viewing was definitely enhanced because of that. I still loved it, but my viewing and and my thought process and how I how I viewed these people, the situation, how it was presented was definitely uh, my mind was the gears were grinding there. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what a good segue, Brian, because now we're going to start talking to Hamilton. So I will pass the baton to my buddy Aaron to take over and run the conversation about uh, this musical no one's heard of called Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton, Hamilton. Ha ha. ha, ha. Um, so <laughs> this is, oh my gosh. Sorry. My mom keeps calling. Um, so this is, so we also watched another founding fathers movie called Hamilton. This is the, we're referring to the 2020 film released on July 3rd, 2020, which was five minutes ago. Um, fun fact, it was originally sw- originally slated for October 15th, 2021 as a theatrical release. But because of COVID-19, it was released earlier on Disney Plus for everyone to see for $6.99. Um, it was directed by Tommy Kale, who also directed the musical. Um, and it was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda and choreographed by Andy Blankenbuehler. Um, it starred the majority of the original Broadway cast. Um, the two exceptions were it was uh, Woman 2 was played by Hope Easterbrook. These are both two women in the ensemble. Woman 2 was played by Hope Easterbrook, who was the first replacement for uh, Woman 2, uh, who was originally played by Betsy Struxness, and Elizabeth Judd, who was the first replacement for Woman 5, who was originally um, played by Emmy raver Um and yeah, this is a movie and a show that we all know very well. So let's go around the um, the, the the square, the rectangle, the screen, <laughs> um, the screen. And let's go with 
first experiences of the show slash music slash movie. Um, let's go, Kimberly. I saw the show at the public because I had a friend who worked at the public and he said, you are going to want tickets to this. And so it sold out because I was like, sure, I'll get them soon. And then he told me the day before it officially got extended. Um, My parents always like to talk about this because I took my parents and well, they took me. and We sat next to Rosie O'Donnell. So our first experiencing Hamilton was Rosie telling my dad, um, are you going to like this? It's hip hop. And my dad goes, I know it's Lin-Manuel Miranda. He wrote in the Heights. And so my dad, she's the best. She is the best. Does Rosie still follow her on Twitter? Yes. Rosie followed her mom. Well, because my dad said that to Rosie and then like Rosie and my mom struck up my Mom just had to reach over and say, thank you so much for your show. It was my favorite. And so then Rosie and my mom have a Twitter relationship. Rosie is the, truly the best. She's the best. Yeah. Um, so I saw it then. And then I saw it the night I got engaged on the Broadway. Yes. Ah! <laughs> and did you watch the movie? Uh, how many times? When did you watch the movie and... How many times have you watched it, I guess? I watched it on Friday night with my parents and my husband and my aunt and her granddaughter who were here. Nice. Um, Kevin? Oh. And the five-year-old in the room put on headphones and watched something else the whole time, but then apparently watched Hamilton all night instead of going to bed. (laughs) Wait, what what were you guys watching? So then she watched it later. Babysitter's Club. Club. Yeah, I wasn't I kidding. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kevin? Um, I saw Hamilton on the Broadway um, thanks to Matt Doyle and this podcast. Oh, yeah. First Fairy Broadway. Oh, my so God. I, remember I did, all of this, Kevin? Yeah, the Kev for Ham. Um, when I was begging, Lynn recap Lynn it because some of our some of our listeners might not know, and Keisha probably doesn't know. Yeah, I don't so, know. Tell so me. When, when the podcast originally started, Broad Wasted in two thousand and oh god, two thousand fifteen, sixteen, sixteen, sixteen. I almost said thirteen, but that's the when I started dating Jay. I put them together. So in two thousand sixteen, when we started the podcast, Hamilton was like a thing, and um, you couldn't get tickets unless you spent a lot of money, and I didn't want to do that. So, um, cause I didn't have any, <laughs> so I started this thing called hashtag Kev for, Kev for ham, where, uh, every, there was a segment on every episode where I begged Lin-Manuel Miranda to give me a ticket so I could see the show. Yes. And we basically continued until Matt Doyle's episode when he was like, um, I know the company manager, I can get you in. And I was like, Oh, so I got to see the show on Broadway. I was in like a house seat. So I was in like the fifth row on an aisle. It was incredible um to see the show that close and then i watched the show on friday night at the same time as kimberly she said we're doing an 8 p.m curtain so i was like okay so i just had my first in a long time 8 p.m curtain on broadway watching hamilton on disney plus nice nikisha uh so my students introduced me to it because I was teaching at the time when it came out and they were like, Miss Williams, you have to listen to this. This is like epic and amazing. I'm like, absolutely not. I do. I will not like what you Gen Zers <laughs> like. So I was like, absolutely not. Not going to listen to it. 
And I, it was a lot of hype. And so eventually I listened to it and fell in love with the soundtrack. And uh, fun fact, Satisfied was my go-to diner song oh. that I sang. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did not see the show until I got hired for the show. Um, so it was like a total surprise. And I was in awe when I actually um, saw it on my first day when I met the Philip Company in uh, South Carolina. Um, but yeah, I, so I didn't know anything about it and, or I didn't see it until I, I got the job and perks of having, uh, being a part of the Hamilton cast. We got an early, uh, <laughs> a, a link to watch it early, a day early. So we watched it a day early and I literally called and texted like everyone in my cast. And I was like, oh my gosh, I miss you guys. Can we go back to work, please? This is absolutely amazing. <laughs> And fun fact, Nikisha is woman five, if you ever oh, need cool. to watch, need to come and see her when we come back in 2034. <laughs> Haley. Um, I lost the lottery off Broadway, so I did not see it off Broadway. I only played it once. And then I was working at Flywheel. I was the... Um, yes person who checked you in to, and like sprayed your shoes like if you went cycling I sprayed your shoes and whatever right. and uh I got a text uh saying we got tickets standing room tonight and I was supposed to babysit um this girl that I babysit all the time that I love so much and I called her mom and said I can't do tonight I just got tickets to Hamilton luckily she's in the business and she was like I get it go so I saw the original cast except uh David I did not see him I saw Andrew go on for him. I don't even know Andrew, but um, he was on. And um, friend of the show, I, Andrew Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I was obsessed. I stayed up all night talking about it, and um, I think it's the best thing. Like next to what I say, like Hades Town is the next best, the new best thing compared to Hamilton of all the elements combined of the best, you have the best lighting designer, costume, choreography, set, orchestrations, like literally everything that it involves to be a musical, you have the best people of the best coming together to create something magical. And I think that's what I took away from Hamilton. I'm going sideways, but um, that's why I love the show so much. And that's when I saw it. And I watched uh, it on Disney Plus on the 4th of July with my parents. They had never seen it. Oh. Um, I know. And they loved it. And I'm so happy they did. My dad, or sorry, my mom was like, can we turn on the um, closed captioning? And I was like, no, you just have to listen. Because <laughs> I didn't have, like, I had I went in when I saw the show as a complete virgin. I, I had never heard any of the songs, nothing. I wanted it to be completely clean. And um, I'm so glad I did because you just sit there at the front of your seat. Like you don't blink. Your ears have never been wider. And my dad, even at the end of it was like, I really had to listen like hard. And I'm like, isn't it fun? Like <laughs> you got to like get in it. Lean in. Yeah. <laughs> That's my history. Bri? Um, I listened to the cast album when it first came out, loved it. Um, and then for my 30th birthday, my mom gave me some money 
uh, to use for Hamilton. So what I did was my sister and I had dinner at MexiQ in Midtown. Um, and 30 minutes before the show, we went on StubHub when uh, sellers get nervous that they're not going to sell their tickets. Um, so my sister and I kept refreshing and about 15 minutes before the show, we got like at price tickets for the original cast, like in center orchestra, because whoever this seller was got super nervous. So we ran to the Kinko's printed those bad boys out. The Kinko's is like a block away from the Richard Rogers. And then we got right in and we saw that was the plan to do it. And if it didn't work out that night, we would have done it like the next night, you know, but that's how we ended up seeing it. Um, the only person that's a good plan. That's incredible. That's a good plan. Um, The uh, only person I did not see was uh, Leslie Odom Jr. I saw his understudy, um, Austin, uh, who was spectacular. And um, um, so that was really wonderful. Um, And uh, um, so that's when I saw it. Um, And um, we watched it on July 4th that night. Um, and uh, I watched it with my sister again, who was there, who saw it with me the uh, first time we saw it. But then we watched it with her fiance and my girlfriend, who both of those had never seen it. My girlfriend, Jamie, had never even heard any of the songs on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, like, didn't listen to it. And then um, my sister's fiance, um, he had listened to it because my sister listens to it. So we had four very different people in the room watching it. I think I'm the only one of all of you, I heard- I mean, Nikisha as well. I did not see the original cast. When I saw it, that mm. pretty much, uh, by the time I saw it, I saw it like a couple, like a few months after the Tonys and like a lot of them had left. Um, so I my, I saw some of the ensemble members that were in it from the original cast. I think some of them are still there. But like mm. I saw Manny Gonzalez was playing uh, Angelica. Angelica at the time. And so I saw like, a, this was my first time, like I've heard the album, but this was my first time seeing the original cast. Oh, nice. So far. So, so I, my first experience with Hamilton was a, was I auditioned for Hamilton mixtape back when it was a, is a workshop and it was just kind of just another Andy audition where it was all cool hip hop and we all wanted the job. Um, but fast forward, I was closing Here Lies Love when Hamilton was moving into the Newman. So there was a split second when all of us sort of like, like past in the dressing rooms Mm -hmm. um and because i because i've known lynn for a while and i knew all those people i sort of was being a dick and was like too cool and i was like i'm sure it's fine like i didn't want (laughs) like i probably could have seen it at the public and now i regret not seeing it at the public um but i just didn't because i was too cool for some stupid reason um like i remember there was a i was seeing a concert at Joe's pub one day and Lynn saw me over like the balcony of the lobby of the public. And he was like, Eric, I'm like, Hey, he's like, are you coming to the show tonight? And I was like, no. And that was it. And And that was our interaction. And then the show blows up and I'm like, cool, great. And then I didn't see it. And of course, and I've seen the show three times, but the first time I saw it was like a week after opening. Um, and of course, still like too cool and being like, I mean, I hear it's great, but is it that great? And I'm watching it like so like my nose turned up and like jaded actor. But then I'm watching the show and it's fantastic. And then when Satisfied hit, I was like, okay, this is different. This is different. I'm in. 
good. Fast forward, yeah, and I and I watched it. No, I think you mean um, rewind. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. Um, I'd watched it. I watched it twice in New York. Beyond that, and then um, the last time watching it before I went out on tour. Um, to which that's where I am now. Um, well, that's where I was now. Um, <laughs> and I watched, and like Nikisha, we got an early, an early link. And so I watched July 2nd yes. at 7 p.m. Um, <laughs> with some chips and salsa and a bottle of wine and <laughs> like, and a couple of socially distant friends came over and we watched and it was yeah. fantastic. It was wonderful. And having nothing to do with the movie, I was very proud of it. It was wonderful. Um, so I think I was thinking of how to frame this. And I think the best way would be to split this up sort of into two. And if they, inter- if they intersect, then that's fine. But I'd say the first would be to talk about it as a movie slash the show. Um, and then the second part can be more historical and especially in comparison to the first movie. Um, just to sort of like segment it that way. Um, and I'll kick us off with both. The first move, the first section, I would say, like I said, my fr- like, if you want to go like high level thoughts, favorite moments, um, e- like examinations on brilliance of storytelling, la, 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 la. Again, my favorite segment from my first watching and continuing on, even having known the show very intimately for the past two years, Helpless Satisfied is my favorite sequence of the show. I think it's the most brilliant storytelling device I have ever seen Mm -hmm. in recent theater, if not all theater. Who else wants to start? because you can either take off of that or <laughs> Maisie agrees. Like <laughs> <laughs> At least she agrees with me. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll start. Or yeah, go. Sorry. Um, so the first time that I saw this, when I got the job was the, I had the same thought as when I watched the movie and that was that the ensemble makes this work the ensemble, the ensemble, the ensemble. And then next to it was Leslie Odom um, because he is absolutely brilliant in his storytelling. He is so distinct in his tactics and it just showed so well on uh, in movie form to me. Um, I think that I guess high level thoughts would be that every everything that was standalone, like costumes, like Haley was saying, like costumes are brilliant. The music by itself is brilliant. Just listening to the soundtrack from start to finish, you just know that the show is amazing, even if you have never seen it. Um, But then when they all come together, it just explodes your mind because uh, it's so, everything is so detailed and you can tell the time and precision that each person took in order to make this happen and uh, to make it be as unified as it is to tell this uh, story. Um, and piggybacking on just like the um, historical elements of seeing all of these people of color tell this story in a way that you don't 
look and say, oh, this is people of color. You just see that it's, it's important that it's people of color, but that's not the premise of the story, which is what I like. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what makes it, makes it work because you're just seeing people of color telling a significant storyline. And it's not like, oh, black people are doing this. It's like, no, these are the founding fathers. And uh, there was an interview um, way back when this first started and Lin-Manuel was just basically talking about how he wanted to tell the story of America, how America looks now. And so I think that's why it, it all worked for me. One of my favorite um, moments in the show in it and watching it is always the battle of Yorktown, just because that's one of the moments where um, everyone is on stage aside from the first number and so that camaraderie, I just feel that bleeding off of the screen as I, as I watch it. And then another moment that I didn't really realize, because in it, it's a little boring, but hurricane, when the lights drop and the slow motion happens, I audibly gasped when I, when I saw it. Because in the moment, as, as woman five, you're in the balcony and you don't really see everything that's happening. But when I got to see a full frontal like visual of it, I was just like, this is fantastic. And I want to cry <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the two takeaways from just watching it in movie form was how the storytelling and the ensemble really made it work for me and how brilliant Leslie Odom Jr. is. And his voice is literally gold and I needed to just see through my body every day. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about, because we've seen a lot of live caps just in our lives and even mm-hmm. on this podcast. The cinematography for this live cap is fantastic. I but I they, would also say it's as good as, I mean, not to like compare, but like, especially because it's not OG, but I think the Newsies recap is just as wonderful. Oh, you think? Yeah. And she loves me. Like, I really think that they've, they've figured out the formula and the, um, the quality of film that it takes to, to let you, feel like you're in the theater, but also experience the up close moments. I don't know. That's just yeah. my, my, per, my, yeah. I, I would argue that I think that the newsies and she loves me live cap, like cine, cinematography wise are better than what this was. I okay. was actually very surprised at how much they like did close up shots. I feel like I didn't see any of the choreography of this show because in Hamilton, they were so in everyone's faces and like all these small shots instead of showing wide shots that like, I really didn't feel like I experienced much of the choreo of this show. And when I did it, like, it felt like they were showing me like disjointed parts that didn't show why they were doing things. I mm-hmm. felt like I got a way better understanding of the choreo and like, like the movement language of this show from watching it in person, because mm-hmm. I felt like this live cap really cut off the choreo at like the at the knees like it was just like um i'm gonna get a full example of what it was i'm gonna agree with kevin um i thought that this um my one critique of this i i agree with all of you about like it's amazing it's magical i I mean (laughs) that's almost like a given at this point um it was very claustrophobic um, I, 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 I think that. it's, I think it's a very tough line, um, to straddle in terms of, are we making a movie or are we presenting the show that was on stage? And I think some moments it, it's really well, I think the, cl- I think the fast editing 
if from helpless and dissatisfied amps up that energy. Um, and, but, um, but then you have other parts where like, um, there are just, there's just like, there are these weird side angles that's trying to be, um, very artistic, but like, also I'm just, I, I lost woman two and three and man four and yeah. five, um, that I, I, I wanted to see all of this like together. Um, and I think that the only, I think the, one of the only cast members, um, who the editing, um, puts forward, it's almost like they cut around, um, Ariana, um, mm-hmm. Because I noticed that too. She's very. I agree. By cutting around, I don't mean cutting around. I mean like she's a very big focal point. She has a yeah. very big on the bullet track has a huge part and is a part of ma- major scenes. Um, but I feel like I lost a lot of the other ensemble because of because of the claustrophobic nature of it. But there, the flip side of that is like some of these close-ups of Lynn and David and uh, to to echo Nikisha, the the I think the close-ups of um uh leslie odom jr were were where it really works we're like the room where it happens or wait for it where there's no one else on stage anyway and and even if there are i mean they're all in the shadows and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but like i don't know even in those you get his facial expression but you miss you miss the energy of the other people on stage feeding him and like wait for it. It's like, it's like, it's like America watching in the wings for what he does next. Yeah. And I, I definitely lost a lot of the, the- it's a movie. I get it. But I lost a lot of the, the- theatricality. of it. I will say I was agreeing with that in the moment. And then halfway through, I was like, Oh, I just wish I was in a theater. Yeah. Totally. I miss being in the theater so much and be, being able to choose who I look at yeah, and yes. being forced to follow someone. I was just like, but I want to see how they're moving the chairs. Like I want to mm-hmm. see everything. Yeah. Uh, and, but the one thing that it did is the like people watching and waiting in the wings, I thought was more prevalent in this because there would be a close up and then just a scary person in the background. <laughs> That's what the ensemble does. We creep in the background the whole time. Creep. Oh my God. Like it reminds me when you do like, like really old school scene study classes. And like when you're not on stage, you're just like off to the side with your head down. Like, yeah. I'm not here. Just soft focus, but acting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nikisha. Well, just really quickly, um, when Brian was talking about helpless, satisfied, I I would say that when I watched that, the close-ups of Renee made me not like her so much because it hot take because how expressive that she is. I thought that the close-ups just kind of over dramatized, and I thought maybe wider Mm -hmm. shots could have like Mm. softened that up a little bit. Um, because I mean, everyone is, it's for the most part was just playing like it's a, you're at a theater, you know, and it's just being filmed. And I think that was especially true every time there was a close up on Renee, which I love her and I love her work and I love her voice. But just in those moments, I didn't feel like the close ups benefited her. It just seems like she was working very hard when we know she's not. But the close-ups just kind of overshadowed the, Interesting. the whole story for me. So I'm going to continue to backpack on what you said about Leslie and now Renee combining with Brian. When I saw the show, 
I was in standing room, but I'm still like at the back of the orchestra. And I'm like, I can't hear Leslie Odom Jr. at all. And he is mic'd. I cannot hear him. I cannot understand him. And I think he is, I don't know him at all. I assume he's a soft-spoken person because of just his nature and his uh, vocal box of how it's built. So I think that the film um, helped him a lot. And I, this is just for me seeing the show in standing room. I enjoyed his performance more on the film because to me, he is more of a film actor. He's small and everything is very, it's just, it's just tiny. And mm-hmm. even with uh, Renee, I thought that I, I didn't get anything when I saw her on stage. And I think she is brilliant. I think both of them are brilliant but I got more from them on camera because they are so small, but that's just, I was standing at the back of the orchestra. So I don't know, but. No, I, I felt the same thing about Philippa, Philippa Sue. Yes. Eliza. I thought she was fantastic in the movie mm-hmm. and I thought she was fine in the show, but yeah, I something about this movie. I appreciate, especially during Quiet Uptown, I appreciated her performance more on film than I did in the theater. Yeah, I, thought, I thought the filming of this benefited the women a lot more than it benefited the men. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I will agree. I agree with that. Actually, yeah. also put in one more thing about Helpless and Satisfied, because that's my most favorite part of the show. Oh, me too. It's There's the best a part, part when they start, when you guys start to rewind, when I saw the show, I was like, what's happening? What's happening? Because, again, with the lighting, the set design, the choreography, the direction, the sound design, everything is at its best. And what I felt, like, I even turned to my mom and was like, this is my favorite part of the show. Like, get ready. (laughs) I didn't see any of it on Uh, on screen. And I was like, you see them rewind, but it's like this much. And I'm like, yeah. You're missing the best part. Like it's the whole stage. Like you have to see it. You have to see it move, and like everyone is moving, and then the whole, like when the girls are going in, and and oh my god, it's just all backwards. And I'm like, ah, you're not seeing it. So Tommy K had a really my, my hard job. I'm like, but um, but yeah, I was really bummed that you as a, a stage production. I was like. I want to see the stage and not the yeah. movie version of that section. Brian, what were you saying? Tommy Cahill had a really hard job. Like a really, yeah. really hard job. And I think yeah. that most directors of these have a really hard job. Like, what do you do? Are you making a movie? Or are you trying to convey what the stage is? I mean, and then I wonder if there's a little piece of them. I, I don't know this. This is, this is me totally guessing, but it's also like, you still want to sell tickets. Do you not show them everything? You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if there's like a bit of that, even though this is the thing that's going to be on there in prosperity for however long they keep it up, maybe until Broadway comes back, whatever the, whatever it is. But like, how much do you keep? How much do you give? It's a very interesting way, line to kind of toggle. Whereas if you're recording. Going back to Newsy's film and I'm like, I watch that. I'm like, I want to go see that. Like I'm jumping out of my seat wanting to be in that audience and feel that energy of those dancers. And I don't know if it's because I'm a theater nerd, but I'm like, I don't want you to hide anything. I, I want to see it. And not because, you know, speaking as like someone who's, you know, not a theater person because people are like, Oh, I want to save that $400 and not see the show. It's like, 
Right. But you see it and now you're like, maybe I want to see it because you've seen it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel though, like with the helpless satisfied for continuity sake that they didn't show much of the rewind because in helpless, they don't show much of what's happening. So you don't really know what's being rewound. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know? Like, Uh, because there's so many close ups on Philippa. That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. I was just thinking that I knew this was supposed to be a theatrical release. So I assume they decided, nope, we're doing more movie. And so all, that's why I thought that the claustrophobia of the filming was they weren't trying to do a live cap. They were doing a live capture of a movie version of Hamilton. Interesting. So, so it, for yeah. me, that was why I excused it. As I was like, because they wanted this on a big screen. I wanted to show the open stage the way that Newsies was a live cap to be a live cat like newsies was released like on like certain days in films like in yeah. theaters but like this was supposed to be like a full movie mm-hmm. so it seemed like i didn't even think of that that's interesting yeah more sure. film then they decided to be staged i think there's probably also a lot of stuff that would happen for continuity's sake because they filmed what three performances and then did close-ups because there were definitely times where you could tell something was slightly off and use like Wednesday's performance and then cut to Thursdays and they're using the audio of Friday right. and like, <laughs> right. they were like two Which, seconds like seconds. god bless as a performer if you have a better match <laughs> like use it <laughs> yeah maybe they were like listen Renee sounded good I'm satisfied on this night but maybe the ensemble were not you know whatever so we're just gonna zoom in on her yeah, yeah. Us, yeah. You know, like that's true yeah I could feel that happening a few times because it would like cut from a like a cut from a close up to a wide shot and in the wide shot the mouth was a little wrong. (laughs) 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 Everyone looked better that day. Um, Yeah, Yeah. it was interesting. It was also interesting to see because Jay brought this up while we were watching it that some people's line reads felt really big. Or just like something felt bigger than when we saw it. And I was like, does it feel bigger because it's on film? Or were they bigger because they knew they were being filmed? And and I, I think I think that... At the end of the show, was I was like, I feel like it's usually like a breath. Yeah, it's not that. She like that <laughs> for like... She gulped that air. She was like... <gasps> I would agree because that... I remember seeing it and it being way more up for interpretation of what it really means. Yes. This one was just like a full play. And yeah. that was... What is your last breath when you're Eliza? That's all you need. That's why what Brian was saying is up to interpretation because even when they teach the Elizas, they're like, this is your moment. Are you going to heaven? Have you seen the light? Are you seeing Hamilton? Are you seeing the orphans? You decide and just take a breath and take it all uh, Oh, God, I love yeah. that. Well, Kevin. Actor's choice. So, actually, Kevin just saying the orphanage. I'll say, I was not, a, I was excited to see this. I was amped up. It always gets me excited. I love it. I was not emotionally connected to this view at all. The orphanage got me because the orphanage always gets me a little bit, almost because it's like an ingrained thing. But like I had zero emotional connection to watching it. And I 100% understand that I am, and all of us are coming from a place of privilege where we have seen this live in the room where it happens. Like, like 
you guys are in it night after night in connecting to it. yeah like <laughs> i and i i think that the magic of hamilton on disney plus is everyone gets to see it and like don't have to imagine what's happening on stage they can actually see what's happening on stage i mean despite some edits but um I definitely did not connect to this emotionally at all. And I'm, and one, mm. I think it's because of the, I know it, it's the edit. It was nice to see it again. But if we, once we get to the other half of it in terms of like watching in a historical context and all of that, like I had very different feelings this time than the first time I watched it on stage. Like and it's amazing what five, four, three, whatever many years can do to a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought so you were doing not- the dueling countdown. Yeah. I was opposite, Brian. Well, because I- if you look in your history books, he wasn't wearing his glasses. So let's oh Haley, what were you gonna say? No, I'm just saying I I'm love that you had that and I was opposite. Like things have happened in my life. Like I've lost someone in my family after I saw this show and like listening to um quiet uptown is that the actual song title i don't even know quiet uptown oh good god so listening to that i like live uptown so like listening to that through my loss of like i was like and Mm -hmm. i was not okay so but i but i love that we all have these because that's what theater is and that's why we need to come back (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and transition into the um into watching it with the movie i mean with the other movie that we saw i mean let's just dive right in i'll start with let's go ahead and say what order you saw these movies in and how if at all that might have hit how you viewed each movie the one thing that really hit me was I watched Hamilton first and watching 1776, the thing that stuck out to me most about both of the movies was the character of Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. and watching how he is almost villainized in one and like heroicized. Is that the word? Is that Roman- a word? Like romanticized? Romanticized. Sure, let's go. Yeah, that, that where he's the, A, the same guy. B, we acknowledge that he is a slaver in both. Mm-hmm. And yet both have very different perspectives on him. I mean, from who lives, who dies, who tells your story. It's all about point of view. I, I was going to say, I think I, I watched uh, I watched Hamilton first and then 1776. And mm-hmm. the big thing that stood out to me was the insane amount of like God hero worship in Hamilton as opposed to like the reality of humanity in 1776. Mm-hmm. I felt like, and I think you can see that in the Jefferson character because like Hamilton chooses to make a villain out of Jefferson because he was Hamilton's opponent. But mm-hmm. I felt like there were a couple scenes that I was watching as a film when it's up in my face that I was actually kind of shocked at how much like worship of, ha- of Hamilton as a person goes on in this show. Um, so that kind of stood out to me especially when I watched 1776 and then saw that I was like, oh, like John Adams is like the hero in this story, but we're seeing what's wrong with him. And like Thomas Jefferson is like more of a hero in 1776, but like the, the guy in the South calls him out. And is like, you have slaves. Like, don't come at me when you have slaves. And like, 
this show seemed like it was trying to make a lot of like gloss. Hamilton sometimes glosses over the reality of what these people were for, I think one for like the, the, because you can tell that Lynn read the book and was like so obsessed and moved by like Hamilton's story. So there is like some hero worship in there, but it also felt like it was, it was like to go along with like the, the narrative of why he did the show the way he did the show. It seemed like they didn't want to go too far into like the bad sides of these people. Cause they were trying to like tell like the narrative that they wanted to tell, which I think it's a great message. The show obviously is brilliant, but like watching these two side by side, I noticed how much less Hamilton holds these people accountable for who they really were mm-hmm. as much as I think 1776 does. I had a very similar experience. Um, 1776 made me think, maybe because they were white, um, but 1776 made me grapple with um, what what things happened to get our country with because the peace deals with it um, and how disappointing and sad and horrifying and they're all calling each other out. I definitely had more... In my group that have watched all of these, I have had more conversations springing from Hamilton about like, why did, what's the, like, what, who, what, when, where, and why, historical accuracies, all that stuff. But 1776 made me like sit down and think to myself, like, what did I learn in history class? Did I learn that they actually were, the thing they were debating was the actual slave um, clause? Like, it, it was a very, I did not expect for this to happen like in terms of my feelings on that. Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, the final song really hit me hard this time because I had seen 1776 first. So I'm like, oh, Lynn told this story about Hamilton, but those guys in the 60s told this version of like the time before that. And and that's what stuck out to me the most. What's it, sorry, Max Chernow, Ron Chernow? Ron. Ron. I don't know why Ron. I say Max. Ron Chernaw, that's his version of Hamilton, and it was distilled into this version of Hamilton. You read another book about Hamilton, you're hearing a totally different perspective. Lynn <laughs> took what he wanted from it, and I don't mean that in a bad way, what he connected right, yeah. with. The guys who wrote 1776 could have easily written a musical that had nothing to do with the slave clause, and it was just John Adams trying to like get everyone to like sign this piece of paper. Um, that is what stuck out the most to me in terms of And I agree. I think that narrative of like telling the story through the people who were oppressed at the time of this story being created, like is what makes Hamilton powerful. And it is why, like, even though like I had these issues with like, like some of like this, the historical accuracy and why they made these changes. I think like that message is so powerful that, and the show is so brilliant in its writing that like, it, 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 they're both two different sides of a coin. Like Hamilton's not trying to make you sad. It's more trying to empower people in an audience who can look on stage and be like, I've only ever heard this story told to me about a story about a bunch of white men in a room. And now I'm seeing all these people who look like me. That's why they made those decisions. I'm not saying that like Lin-Manuel Miranda like purposely was like, I'm just going to worship people and make things weird. Like it was because he was going with that narrative. So that's why that happened. I think like, the musical of 1776 coming out in the sixties with like the Vietnam war and like everything happening at that time. That's why they were like at that time more interested in like 
damning their the founding fathers in a way and kind of like showing the humanity and also the bicentennial was coming up yeah right you're right wow because in seven there was also in a weird philly side note when the bicentennial came up is when they started actually restoring all of those old buildings that had kind of gone for not for years um so like the psyche of the country around like the bicentennial coming up is also an interesting lens to look at how that musical came about mm-hmm. of just like I was like gearing up to celebrate the bicentennial and coins were coming out and like all of this stuff was happening and so like yeah turn to the arts to be like yeah but look how this started like yeah. look at yourselves everyone while you're thinking of this yeah it's so interesting you guys like talking about this because it made me realize um, how much I held accountable the actors in the storytelling in 1776, like when Thomas Jefferson was like doubting over like wanting his wife. And I'm thinking to myself, like in actuality, you had this slave woman, Sally Hemings, that mm-hmm. you were sleeping with and all these things. But then like looking at Hamilton and, and um, Mariah Reynolds, like I didn't have, you know, I wasn't thinking along those lines because I guess it was like what Kevin was saying. The point of it was just, seeing diversity on stage first and 1776 is like we are like you all said we're, we're telling exactly what happened and how dirty and gritty it was to actually get to to where we are so I subconsciously that's how I was watching them like 1776 I was like all these inaccuracies and blah 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 mm-hmm. and Hamilton is just like oh this is entertainment I'm enjoying seeing myself on stage so it's, it's, really it's interesting. definitely more like historical fiction watching it like against 1776 yes I thought of it at the time when I first saw it I was like oh how interesting and then you go through and like reading it like oh he Lynn acknowledges that they had plenty of sons, the Skylers, and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all yeah. of like that stuff. That like sometimes you throw stuff away to make it more entertaining, and also like have a powerful message. Like it's not just this fun, happy-go-lucky show. There is still something like very important. Like obviously, it's yeah, so really, what, what order did you watch them? Is what we learned from these two shows. Yeah, like, you can go sort of like literal, but also like skewed to the left if you might say (laughs) and and go like true like historical fiction and really get into like let's take all the liberties we want but still make you feel how you want we want you to feel at the end of the show not like you went to a lecture that had some songs Hmm. right Kimberly what order did you watch them in Hamilton first and Akisha Hamilton first Haley I did 1776, like an hour and a half first. Then I did Hamilton. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I could you guys, I can. I don't like school. Like, I don't like learning. Stuff. I agree. I, agree. I can't. And then I finished it this afternoon while I was making masks. <laughs> I do want to throw the quick out that there have actually been articles written in the past few days since Hamilton about came out. Aaron's performance? No, specifically about, about, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Spitting. Oh, Jonathan Groff. Oh, Jonathan oh Groff. Groff. He's it's always been a spitter, though. He He's was always been a spitter. I mean, like, there's now articles, like, in Vulture, and, like, all these other, like, oh, yeah. magazines and publications are writing articles specifically about 
how much he spits in this movie. I my would, best friend, mm-hmm. No, go for it. Sorry. My best friend from high school, we saw Spring Awakening together on stage and she texted me after she saw this and she was like, so he hasn't figured that out yet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's a thing. It's like, it's a well-known thing. Um, yeah. That splash zone is real. His, the filmed parts of the King George stuff in this are excellent. I'm so jealous uh, that people got to watch us again for the first time. Like, oh, not again, like hearing it. And then all of a sudden, like, I can't even imagine what that little kid or that 15 year old or that 45 year old or that 70 year old who lives in X, Y, and Z have been listening to the album for years and they got to see it for seven nine six ninety nine seven dollars like what an amazing thing that Lynn, that Lynn and the company did to like release it now like I mean it just there was so much hope wrapped up in it regardless of like mm-hmm. how you interpret it or whatnot like there was so much hope wrapped up in it um and 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 not even from the themes within the show itself but just the gesture that like Lynn and company, whether, however the decision came about, like just the gesture of giving it to you during this time was just like so much bigger than the piece itself. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That was, that really, that really affected me a lot. Just like, here you go, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) I did also have the feeling like halfway through, I was like, Oh, no one, like this is the only production of Hamilton anyone can see right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because usually, like, if I watch a live cap or something and I start it at 8, I'm like, and people around the world are sitting in the theater watching it right now. And it was this weird, bittersweet thing to be like, oh, no, those people are also sitting at home watching this. Yeah, wear your well, mask. No, and the best, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the best mask. part was also one of my really good friends who is a very active uh, racial justice activist reached out to me. She had never seen Hamilton before. And she was like, yo, Hamilton's... Hamilton's great. Like, I didn't realize how much I needed to hear black and brown people singing about freedom. Mm-hmm. And like, and she was just like, this is hitting way harder than I ever expected it to hear. Even just the simple act of a representation be just hearing these voices yeah. speak these words. I for oftentimes being in the show, I was texting Nikisha about this. I was like, oftentimes it's easy to forget that that in itself is revolutionary. And, it's and I'll tell you, the ensemble is the magic of the show, in my personal opinion. Oh, true. Yep, I walked Absolutely. away. From They're the set. Like, oh, the show, the show is the ensemble. Speaking of that, <laughs> how awesome was it that every? I think ensemblist tweeted this. Um, that every ensemble, every got their own title card, like like end of Lord of the Rings, yeah. like drawn, like like I expected yeah. yeah. so like cool. may it be playing. So uh, even though this came out five minutes ago, there is a Rotten Tomatoes. So <laughs> and there is a critic census. So sure let's go like around. Uh, let's start with Brian. I-, I can't imagine it not being ninety nine or ninety. I'm gonna go with ninety nine percent. Haley. 96. Nikisha? I was going to say 98. Uh, Kevin? 91. Kimberly? 92. Oh, rude. Brian wins with 99. The critics' consensus, get this, the critics' consensus is 
look around, look around at how beautifully Hamilton shines beyond Broadway and at how marvelously Thomas Kale captures the stage show's infectious energy. Separately, it is, it does bring up the question of moving forward, how do union, do we do more of this? How do unions make contracts that will allow for this? Like you can't just release the library stuff because there's so much that goes into that. But like now that people have had a taste of something, like, mm-hmm. how do you fulfill that need if depending on what the world situation is? Because, well, you don't, it, it, I, we all agree that it does not capture the magic of live theater, but it gets really freaking close. Um, yeah. But like, you know, unions might have to start to redo contracts for live caps and like live caps might have to be like a more viable option, not just for a show closes and then you put it on Broadway HD, but it had to recoup first. You know, like it's gotta be, I'm very interested to see um, the future of of this business model. Me too. Yeah. Same. Um, Should we rank them? (laughs) (laughs) Why Kevin, do you like 1776 better? I want to hear everybody's thoughts. Then you suggested it. You should go first. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 1776 is number one, just because it means a lot to my family and has been I've known since a little kid. Um, and then Hamilton is a very close second because it's a, obviously a brilliant show. Nikisha? They're in two different worlds to me. They are. I, yeah. I, can't, I can't rank one over the other because their thesis statements are different, are wildly different. Mm-hmm. So, and they're both equally important for that. So I don't you make me yeah. rank it, and then all of you I'm go. Sorry. Well, I, can't. I don't think I can. They're different meanings. <laughs> so yes, so it did happen. <laughs> it happened. Yeah, it happened once, but and it's happening now because no one else is going. <laughs> Well, I mean, Hamilton, well, Hamilton obviously holds a special place in my heart, but that doesn't negate how much I enjoyed 1776. So if I guess I have to choose, it would be Hamilton and then 1776. Sure. Haley? Yeah, Haley? We know, we know Haley's answer. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I paid attention to Hamilton, so I'm going to say... <laughs> She's ranking it in terms of finished and not finished. I did finish 1776. Did I pay attention to it? <laughs> um, so I'm going to say, although I do have to say, Kevin, I love that you guys have this um, tradition watching it on the 4th yeah. of July. Like, that makes my heart so very happy. Now right. it makes me want to watch it again and actually watch it. Um so I would say Hamilton would be first. And 1776. I actually knew William Daniels as John Adams before Miss Feeney. Oh. So I was like, what is John Adams doing in this show on ABC? Wait, that's so funny. That's really fun and sweet. He was always Kit on Knight Rider. I feel, I'm going to rank him. Don't worry. But I feel very similar to Nikisha in that like, I said I said it once. I'll say it again. The who lives, who dies, who tells your story, like really affected me during this because they are so they're just told by different people from different points of view. Um, I'm gonna say I'm going to say that Hamilton edges out 1776 
truthfully only because I got to watch people watch it for the first time. And like that experience was very special um, where like, I didn't have to like, I was very, you know, me, I didn't talk. I paid attention. Like that's, there was no, like all that, but like to just like feel the energy from people who get to see it for the first time was like incredibly special. Um, but I will say that 1776 surprised me. Um, it, exceeded all expectations and and it has me thinking more uh about history and how it's taught and like and and all of that even more than hamilton did when it came out um and and that goes a long way but the watching people watch Hamilton, i love musicals watching gay people watch hamilton for the first time was like so freaking cool me um hamilton <laughs> for the i mean and again 1776 is fantastic, and especially after this conversation. Oh, Aaron, just own it. I had to just give my ranking, and all of you are giving your, like, like... uh, Other No, no, no. Kevin, you said, you said, you give your whole thing about nostalgia reasons. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. True. You added context. (laughs) True. And this was your game. You wanted to do this. (laughs) I wanted to see if anybody else was on my team. I guess not. I mean, I was close. I was close, but... I was not close. I was almost on your team, but I was was so close, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say, I do like 1776 for all the visceral reasons that it, like, affected me. But Hamilton, the same reason Nikki had, like, it holds a special place in my heart now. I've had to invest for two years. That investment holds a lot of weight. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kimberly? Kimberly? Oh, I agree with Haley. I paid attention to Hamilton. <laughs> I liked 1776, but it got to a point where they were just still talking, and I was like, where's the song? Where's the song? The middle of that movie is tough. That's definitely true. In a time when I wasn't feeling very patriotic, these were two really good things to watch. Yes. yes. Agreed wholeheartedly. Agreed. Um, you know, because we've got laughs coast to coast to make you smile. A real life look at each of you to capture all that style. You're the red, white, and blue. Oh, the funny things you do. America, America, this is you. Stories from your friends next door. They never told you might be a star tonight. So let the camera roll. You're the red, white, and blue. Oh, the funny things you do. America, America, this is you. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Saget. Bob Saget. America, 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 America. America. This, this is you. Bob that was the, uh, that's what it is. The yes. America's yeah. funniest home, video. home videos. Um, yeah. So that was our quote. The uh, lyrics of America's funniest home videos. Um, these were all. These were both great movies. Like we didn't have a dead this week. Yeah. No, that was oh, nice. Not at all. Doesn't agree, but <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> um, uh, on that note. Um, Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, and uh, if you were listening on the podcast, um, we edited it down a little bit um, on Patreon. You got the full thing and the video. Um, but um, again, you can follow us all at, um, at Broad Wasted. You can uh, find us on Instagram, Twitter. You can f- join our Facebook group. Um, we're doing some 30 theory nerdy stuff there. Um, and of course, um, uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And uh, uh, again, another shout out to Buttonwood Grove Winery. If you're ever up around the Finger Lakes, check it out. 
Um, but uh, we'll end every episode uh, by raising our glasses, and we say, Cheers. Thanks, everybody. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.